Welcome to the Everyday Conversion Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Sievercrop, and I am just like you. I'm busy with work, family, kids, church, and a million other responsibilities. And honestly, some days I miss my personal scripture study and prayers. And some days we as a family miss our scripture study and prayer. But I'm trying. So if you're not perfect in living the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, but you're trying, well, get along great, and this is the place for you. Five days a week, I'll share a brief episode, often based on the Come Follow Me curriculum for that week, that I'm using to have daily conversations with my kids, whether we're on our way to school or on our way home or if it's real quick before dinner. And you're welcome to use them to do the same with your family or your personal study. Just know that the views and opinions I share are mine alone and do not represent the official doctrine and viewpoint of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now let's jump right in with today's episode. Okay, so the parable we're going to talk about today hits home for me as a parent. Now, I know that all of these parables have analogies that can be drawn and can be made, but even just the example itself to me is instructive and it and it hits home for me. So, for me, this is why the Savior taught in parables, because this is a parable that makes sense to me as a parent. And so many times there's parables that don't make sense completely to us because we're not sheep herders or we're not landowners or we don't have employees or whatever it is. But this is one for me as a parent, and if you're a parent, I'm sure for you, does make sense and you can identify with it. And it really taught me the power of parables and why they work so well. So let's read this. Matthew 21, verses 28 through 32. But what ye, what think ye, this is the Savior talking, what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterwards he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of the them, whether of them twain did the will of his father, they say unto him the first, and Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you, for John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not, but the publicans and the harlots believed him, and ye afterward, when ye seen me, when ye had seen me, repented not that ye might believe him. For he that believed not John concerning me cannot believe me, except he first repent. And except ye repent, the preaching of John shall condemn you in the day of judgment. And that last part was the Joseph Smith translation uh, in verse 32. But I mean, just the story. Like, I can identify with both of those. You know, I can identify with a child who you ask to do something, and they're like, I'm not doing that. And then they decide to do it later, uh, either on their own or through some coaxing by parents. And then I've also had kids that, you know, my kids at times will say, yeah, I'll do that. And then they don't do it. And how frustrating both of those are in two very different ways. But when it comes right down to it, yeah, the one that actually does it is the one that that is that makes you feel better. You know, I mean, the first, the second one tells you what you want to hear and then doesn't do it. But the, fir- the first one, even though it was difficult in the beginning, ended up doing what they were asked to do. So neither of those is ideal, but the resulting obedience 
is the most important part. So as I read this, this is another example. And we talked about this yesterday in Gospel Doctrine as well, about this idea that over and over Christ seems to be putting the Jews and the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees in their place. And he's kind of calling them out. And he's telling them to kind of get off their high horse and realize that they're, yes, they are the chosen people. They are the chosen, um, you know, family, you know, they're Abraham's descendants. But if they don't do what they're supposed to do, if they don't believe on John's teachings, if they don't believe on the Savior's teachings, they ain't getting in. (laughs) And the Savior drives this point home so many times. That's one of the recurring things we're seeing in the teachings of Christ is, yeah, he was sent to the Jews, and he was sent to redeem the Jews. That was his specific mission. Now, his apostles afterwards, you know, Paul specifically went to the Gentiles, and since that has happened. But at that time, Christ was only speaking to the Jews. But it's not like he was giving him a free pass. It wasn't a good old boys club, and they just got to do whatever they want because they happened to be descended from the right people. And here again, he does the same thing. He says, look, even the people that you hate— the publicans, the harlots, you know, the the lowest in society, they believe John. They believed John when he taught them, and they believe me. So before you get on your high horse and you think you're so fantastic, let's remember what the real point is. It's belief. It's faith. It's doing what you're supposed to do. Even though they didn't receive the gospel at first, and maybe some of them even rejected it at times, in the end, they believed and they followed it. And that's what's important. So, I mean, as I'm thinking about this, I'm like, okay, so how do we say sometimes that we'll go, but then we don't? As I was thinking about this, it's like, okay, well, that's kind of like, you know, making commitment. You know, it's, it isn't kind of like making commitments. It's making a commitment. And it's like our covenants that we make. And then we don't live up to them. You know, that's worse than someone who hasn't made the covenant and then does the wrong thing, but then repents, like it says, and chooses to do the right thing. So we sometimes find ourselves in the position of the first son, you know, being rebellious and then repenting and doing what we're asked to do, you know, living the gospel, making our, fixing our mistakes, using the atonement. But sometimes we find ourselves like the second son, where we say we'll do things. We've made covenants. We've made commitments. We've made promises. And then we don't do it. So it's interesting, and I've learned this with a lot of these parables. There's something we can learn from both sides. You know, very rarely is there a parable that the Savior teaches that essentially puts us on one side and learning from the mistakes of the other side. We can find ourselves in both positions. And we are at times in both positions. And I think that's hard to do sometimes because, you know, even I was, my kids came home um, talking about some of the, the things that they talked about in primary. And they, and I think with kids, sometimes you have to do this. You have to make it simple. You have to, to get them to learn the one side. But there's a lot of lessons we miss out on if we don't look at both sides and we don't ask ourselves, how can we be on both sides of this? How can we, yeah. How can we look and see what the lesson is that we can learn from the poor behavior or the mistakes or the arrogance or the envy or the, you know, whatever it is that Christ is teaching? But asking ourselves how we are in that position sometimes is very, very useful. You know, how do we sometimes find ourselves in the position of the Sadducees and the Pharisees? 
and, and, and looking at things or judging or um, justifying or whatever it is? How do we find ourselves in the position of the other son? You know, a lot of times in these stories, that's what it is. It's one son and another son, or it's, um, you know, a, a servant and a master, or it's, um, you know, a king and his servants or his subjects or, um, you know, a wedding a wedding feast and the guests, you know, and looking at both sides of that is super, super valuable. Finding all of the analogies, finding all of the lessons that we can learn, not just the easy ones, not just the ones that make us feel good about ourselves and say, oh yeah, yeah, we're doing that. Like, yeah, we would never act that way. But asking ourselves how maybe we do act that way sometimes. What's the analogy? What can we learn? Where can we grow? Where can we develop? You know, that's what I love about, um, about really digging into these. And I know we've done that with a few, you know, back in episode, I gotta skip back here. Back in episode 49, you know, everydayconversion.com forward slash zero four nine. And you can see that, you know, we talk about the other prodigal and we talk about Elder Holland's talk about what we can learn from the older son in the story of the prodigal son. You know, not just what we can learn from the younger son, but what can we learn from the older one? I think those are really valuable things. So I've got two questions for you today that tie into that. Question number one, what can we learn from the first son in this story? You know, the first one is the one that said, uh, when he was asked to go work in the vineyard, he said, I will not. But then afterwards he repented and went. He did the will, even though he said he wasn't going to. And then how about the second son? What can we learn from the second son? That one that said, I go, sir. And then he didn't go. And then somewhat connected is a second question, which is what analogies can you draw from this story for you and your family? You know, we've talked about a few, but there's others, you know, there's other things that you could say, this is what this means for me. This is what I learned from it. And as you do that, pay attention to the spirit because the spirit will teach you other things that you need to learn from this story. You will draw other conclusions than what I drew because we're in different situations and the spirit teaches us individually. So again, those two questions. What can we learn from the first son? And how about the second? What can we learn from him? And the second question, what analogies can you draw from this story for you and your family? All right, that's it for today. Now, I know, I know you want to hang out with me longer, but we both have a ton of things to do today, including living the gospel and trying to be like Jesus. Cue primary children singing. I'm trying to be like Jesus. But hey, if you want to get the links to everything we talked about today, you can find it on the episodes page of everydayconversion.com. You can also do cool stuff like subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening platform, sign up for email notifications of new episodes, and connect with us on social media there. It's kind of like a virtual church library without the militant librarians or a piece of paper to sign out your three tiny pieces of chalk for your lesson. Also, just remember, I do my best to make sure my opinions are in line with official church doctrine, but they are just that. They're my opinions. For official doctrine and viewpoints, I recommend you go to churchofjesuschrist.org or comeuntochrist.org. 